I know Jay and Caroline were waiting. They're like, what's he going to do? Is he going to add another song to us tonight? I won't do that to you. That's okay. I think one of my, like this morning, first service, we got out of here at a decent time. Second service, we went a little long this morning. Just a little. But was there a good truth this morning? The truth needed to be finished. But the problem is, I think the more I study and the deeper I go into things, the more I have to say about that stuff. So you want me to dive a little deeper, you're going to have to listen a little deeper. It just goes hand in hand together. And so tonight we're in James chapter number three. And I wonder when I go longer, those of you who are watching at home tonight, I wonder if you really pay attention the whole time. Or if you go get a snack, you know, it was about 11.20, you're probably getting hungry. You go to the kitchen and get a snack, get lunch ready. Do you watch all of it? Sometime we're going to switch it around where you got to have the camera on you and I can see what you're doing. That should be that way. The camera shows me what they're doing as well as they see what we're doing here. And then we can see if they're really paying attention. See if Mark Walker stays awake or goes to sleep on me or if Sandy, what she does during that time as well. And so, anyways, yeah, it's called Zoom, but yeah. James chapter number three, we've been talking about being spiritually fit. Tonight's message, I believe, is very good for every Christian. I sincerely would love for every person in this church, every member, the person that calls this their church, to listen to this message. And I'm probably going to send it out in a text. Because even just the past couple weeks, and sometimes it happens, we have a great church and we have great people, but you got to understand, when you get people together, <laughs> strife happens. You know, the Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, or am I in the midst of them? Isn't that what the Bible says? Well, I'm going to add a little bit. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there's going to eventually be conflict. And it's true. And some things that have happened over the past few weeks, I want to talk tonight about the wisdom of being a peacemaker. The wisdom of being a peacemaker. Tonight's message like last week, we talked about the tongue. Tonight's message is going to hopefully be a help to each of us. We need it. Conflict is everywhere, isn't it? Just turn on the news. The Republicans and Democrats are going at each other. Justice dies on Friday, and as soon as she dies, it all begins. They better not. And if they do, we're going to do this. And they go back and forth conflict. Christians have conflict. Marriages have conflict. Years ago, Lady Astor once said to Winston Churchill, Winston, if you are my husband, I put poison in your coffee. Churchill responded with his cunning wit and said, Nancy, if you were my wife, I'd drink it. We live with conflict or with one another since the fall of man. Go, you, it started right away. It was that woman you gave me, God. Her fault. It was the serpent's fault. Their son ends up killing their other son. We see all throughout the Old Testament, the book of Judges, conflicts and all of these things and conflict happens. Last week we looked at the earlier verses of this chapter and how to be wise with our words. 
If we, what did I say last week? Control your tongue or it will control you. And the tongue has direct power to destroy or to delight. The tongue is powerful. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. We look tonight at verse number 13, and James just goes right back at it. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom. Now, you remember he's talked about wisdom in other places. But he says, this wisdom, this thing of having bitter envying and strife in your hearts, this wisdom doesn't descend from above. This is not how God designed it. This wisdom, and we talk, and we'll look in a few minutes, we'll look back at the wisdom that comes from above. But this wisdom of that bitter envying and strife in our hearts, look at what it says here. This wisdom descended not from above, but is earthly. It's sensual, and it's devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. So look with me for a minute. If we have bitter envying and strife in our hearts, that wisdom is not from above. It's earthly, it's sensual, and it's even devilish. But the wisdom that comes from above is pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and of good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown how? In peace of them that make peace. So the wisdom that's from above makes you a peacemaker. The wisdom of this world helps you sow strife and bitter envying in your heart. What do we have tonight when we look at the wisdom of being a peacemaker. Father, bless the time that we have tonight. Pray that as we look at this passage of Scripture that you'd help us tonight and encourage our hearts and help us in this area. We love you. We need you. Bless this evening. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. James begins with a rhetorical question there in verse number 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Basically saying who is wise and who has understanding among you? Wisdom is a skill of working out practically what the Bible says. The second half of the verse tells us here as we look here, it shows that wisdom is measured not by how many degrees you get, how many um, classes you pass, how much you have, 
but by your deeds. That's the mark of true wisdom. What does it say the rest of verse number 13? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. That phrase, good conversation, speaks of beautiful behavior. The idea is it, the wisdom, who is wise among you and who has understanding? Look at that verse. Is the one who shows you out of the life that they live. The idea is to turn to the truth. Unfortunately today, the good life, a good conversation, a good lifestyle today, for many is wrapped up how many possessions they have. It's wrapped up in power. It's wrapped up in popularity. And it's wrapped up in pleasure. The Bible says here, and as we look at this verse, as we go, it says, let him show out of a good conversation. It says his works with meekness of wisdom. To show his works is an emphatic imperative and refers to putting deeds on display. It was also used a perception for an inspection think about this this goes along with go back to chapter number two of james and look at verse number 18 a man may say thou hast faith and i have works show me thy faith without thy works and i will show thee my faith by my works we see that at the end there i will show thee my faith by my works a wise man will show his wisdom by the deeds that he does. Think about what Jesus equated wisdom to. He equates wisdom with obedience. The Bible tells us in Matthew 7, verse 24, if you have that verse, you don't have that verse, it says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will to a wise man, which buildeth cross. So when you hear what God says and you do it, God likens you to a wise man. So the verse tells us who is wise and who has understanding among you. It's going to be the ones who display it and show it. Does that make sense tonight? Oh, I'm wise, pastor. Do your actions show that? You say, hey, who's wise, who has understanding among you? Let him show in his lifestyle those things. With, what does it say? With meekness and, look at the end of that verse, with meekness of wisdom. The word meekness is not a synonym for weakness. It means power under control is what meekness means. It was used of breaking a high-spirited horse. A wise person is a strong person under God's control. Wisdom is demonstrated by the way we live and how we act with humility. The true test of wisdom is works and not words. Make sense? The rest of this passage, to end out chapter number 3, James, we see a contrast contrast between a peace breaker and a peace maker. 
A worldly person breaks peace, while a wise person makes Let's dive in tonight and get through these verses. Number one tonight, we see a worldly person breaks peace. Say, what do you mean? Look at what it says in verse 14 and 15. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above. This is not what God intended. This is not God's wisdom. This is not what God taught us to do. But this wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. People, uh, teenagers are real good at it. And I remember several years ago, people started doing, and there's all sorts of little um, um, texting um, shorts that people use. I don't even know the word I'm looking for. LOL. I remember when a friend of mine, a guy, sent me LOL. And I remember I asked Caroline, I said, what in the world is LOL? She's like, I think it means lots of love. And I'm like, if I got a guy sending me lots of love? No sense. I said, what? And so I sent him a text back. I said, what's this lots of love? He's like laughing out loud. Oh, okay. I've, been, I've always been a little slow on those. You know, for the longest time, IDK, IDK. I get it now. I don't know. I, I got it. But there are a lot of those. And I could probably give you a list of others, and you go through all of them. TTYL. Yeah, that one took me a little bit of time to figure out, too. And people, I've, I forget. I wish I could remember the one that was sent to me. Skylar sent me one just recently. And I'm like... I, you're talking in a language I don't even understand. And so she explained it to me. But I saw this one a while back. W-I-I-F-M. Anyone ever hear that one? What's in it for me? That's what worldly wisdom is all about. What's in it for me? Worldly wisdom is corrosive when everything is about me, myself, and I. Think about this. To have bitter envying, or you could say bitter jealousy, is to want, someone, to want what someone else has so much, we end up harboring bitterness in our heart because we want it so much. It says if you have bitter envying and strife in your heart, Selfish ambition is all about getting ahead and getting for myself. And look at what it says here. We're given the source of where jealousy comes from, the source of selfishness. It's verse 15 there. This wisdom is not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. And it's interesting. We see three different things used here, earthly, sensual, and devilish. And you could really think about it as, in Ephesians, it's threes. There's something to this three thing in the Bible. And, but Ephesians chapter number 2, verses 1 through 3, we see the world, the flesh, and the devil all mentioned there. Earthly, sensual, high between all those. When the Bible says that this wisdom is not from above, but it says earthly, it's talking about for a lot of people, Wisdom is measured in worldly terms. 
without any recognition of God. That's what we're talking about here. It says this wisdom, it's earthly, it's also sensual. Sensual in Greek means this, animal-like. It speaks of survival. It has the idea of being controlled by emotions or by what This wisdom is even stronger. Devilish. And that's a strong word of meaning. It's demon-like. And it's very similar to what James talks about up in verse number 6 there where he says that the tongue is set on fire of hell. Surrounded today in our world by earthly, unspiritual, demonic influences. We live in a whacked-out, crazy world, and you know it's true tonight. Just turn on your television. Parents, kids aren't in here tonight. You should be very involved in what your children watch and see. The apps that they use, the shows that they watch, I'm not telling you that they should never be on the internet and never do any of those things, but you are foolish if you trust this world and what this world has to give to our children. This wisdom, the things that they learn in this world, is worldly, it's sensual, it's devilish, and you got to understand, as we get closer to the days of the Lord coming, the Bible talks about that perilous times are going to come. Men are going to be lovers of themselves, and they're going be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, and they're going to have an appearance. They're going to have, uh, they're going to have, oh, you got the verse up there for me. Good. I know it's coming up. This also know that in last days, perilous times will come. I was quoting Brian's version because I know these verses, but I, there's a few little lines I, I miss every once in a while. For men shall be lovers of them own selves. They're going to be covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. That's our world today. We are getting closer to the Lord returning. But be very careful, this wisdom is not from above. And the stuff that we let influence us. And I get, I get, and I know I'm still very old school. I am on certain things. Probably more than I should be on certain things. But it just bugs me when I see people all the time have to take selfies everywhere. There's nothing godly about taking selfies of yourself. There's not. What are you doing? You're promoting self. Now, taking a picture here or there, fine, but sometimes it just goes overboard. If, you, if all you have is, you know, it, it gets old after a little bit, and it's all about you. You cannot tell me that that's godly. Now, I'm not telling selfie, okay? If you feel the need to take a selfie, you got your little pumpkin spice latte, Caroline, and you selfie once with your pumpkin spice latte go right ahead because you can drink those anytime you want i'll just stay away from that i'm starting to like coffee but don't give me pumpkin spice coffee just stay away from that no need and you know 
they should just put on the menu all year long. If they could bring it out any earlier, it just needs to dump. It is worldly, sensual, and devilish, okay? That's all I, that's all I need to say about it right there. Star, let's talk about Starbucks for a minute. Should we go there? It's worldly, sensual, devilish, but I bought one earlier tonight, okay? Leave me alone. Worldly wisdom leads to bad fruit. What verse 16 tells us? For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. We see this here. And so we see a few verses before. He talks about bitter envying and strife in your hearts. He talks about how this wisdom's not from above it's, and it's earthly, sensual, devilish. And then he reminds us again that when you have that envying and strife, the fruit of it, do you realize we reap what we sow? If you're sowing envying and strife, look at what you produce. Confusion and every evil work. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, verse number 20. Do you got that verse? And I'll just give you part of it. Here be debates, envyings, wraths, strifes, backbitings, whisperings, swellings, and tumults. Tumults, when we talk about those, that's disorder. It's instability, chaos, confusion. Think about what the Bible says about the Lord. 1 Corinthians 14, verse number 33. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. So do you see how bitter envying and strife? That wisdom's not from above. That's earthly, sensual, devilish. And where that is, see in that verse that there's confusion in every evil work. It has nothing, strife and envy has nothing to do with God. But a lot of Christians live there. Let me give you a couple of examples. I'm reminded when I think of confusion, my mind always goes to the Tower of Babel. People of the world were leaning on worldly wisdom. We're going to build a tower and be greater than God. They decided to come together to work their way to heaven. They were filled with pride, and God disapproved of it. And what did he do? He confounded their languages. Fusion was brought out. I still, can you, that's one of those things I talk Want to see an IMAX theater in heaven? I want to see all of them building this tower, and then all of a sudden, like guys, buddy, they're just they're talking to each other, and then all of a sudden they can't understand each other. And you know, and that would just be crazy to see. But you think about it, those things, those earthly things, and bitter envying and strife, they wanted to be, they wanted what God was. It brought confusion and every evil work. You do the wrong, and there's consequences. I've read a story about um, a man. His name was uh, Carl Erickson, a South Dakota man in the 70s. In 2012, he was sentenced to life in prison after admitting he murdered a former high school classmate. After the murder, Erickson's secret came out for over 55 years he had nursed a grudge against a classmate, Norman Johnson, who pulled an embarrassing locker room prank 
55 years before. This prank planted seeds of resentment, which continued to grow for over half a century. And after harboring bitterness in his heart for so long, Carl Erickson rang Johnson's doorbell 55 years later and shot him dead. 55 years later. A few years ago, a magazine posed this question. If you could push a button and thereby eliminate any person with no repercussions to yourself, would you do it? 60% of the people answered yes. That's crazy. Are you the type of Christian that holds a grudge? Or are you a peacemaker? Those that hold a grudge and keep it inside and let it stir, that does not come from God. That's this world's way of doing things. And Christian, let me just remind you tonight, that's not how a Christian's supposed to live. Our goal should be to bring peace to situations. We see number one tonight, as we dive in here, and I'm probably going to run out of time and not get through all this tonight, a worldly person breaks peace. Number two, a wise person makes peace. Verse 17 tells us, But the wisdom that's from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. That's quite a difference, isn't it? Wisdom from below, and as we look at this, comes from reality. Wisdom from above comes from the Bible. Instead of bitter envying strife in our hearts, biblical wisdom operates in a different light. It says that that wisdom that's from above, it's first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easily being treated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Worldly wisdom crowns self Heavenly wisdom crucifies self. There are too many perspectives of wisdom that's from above. This wisdom is first what? Pure. Pure. That is the first quality, and it refers to holiness. Jesus put it like this in Matthew 5, 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The wisdom that's from above is first pure, and what is secondly? It's peaceable. Purity speaks of one's relationship with God, and peaceable characterizes our ability to get along with others. Peaceable literally means peace-promoting. Or, or as someone said it, peace-loving. If you find yourself always looking for a fight, Something's not right because peace follows purity. That's where the problem begins. James lists six qualities about a peace lover. He says, look at this here. The wisdom is from above is first pure, then peaceable, then look. Look at these things. Gentle. The word gentle here, it has the idea 
of being forbearing. Are you and I gentle and reasonable with others? Or would you say you're a harsh person? The wisdom that's from above is first pure and peaceable, but it's gentle as well. Look at the next one there. Is gentle, easy to be entreated. Here's another way. Of, now, this, this hits home. These things hit home. Normally, the nights when, when we're most convicted, that's when it's the most quiet. It's pretty quiet tonight. We just all we hear is the kids outside. But think about this. It's first, it's pure, it's peaceable, it's gentle. Think about this. It's easy to be entreated. Let me put it in the easier English for us tonight. Open. open mind attitude or do you always to be right things your way that's what this is right here because the wisdom that's from above it's pure it's peaceable it's gentle it's easy to be entreated it's not my way or the highway are people afraid to come up to you and talk to you about something because you're not going to listen i've already made up my mind and i'm right that's not the wisdom that comes from above. That's the earthly, sensual, devilish attitude, wisdom. But the wisdom is from above. Hey, it's gentle. It's also, as we look here, it's open to reason. And isn't that what Abraham did with Lot? Remember there was a strife in Genesis 13, verse 8 and 9. The Bible tells us, and Abram said to Lot, let there Strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Verse number 9 there, is not the whole land before thee. Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then, go, then I'll go to the right. Or if thou wilt depart to the right hand, then I'll go to the left. And we see that Abraham was open to reason, and he compromised. Listen, who had the right to choose who went where? Abraham did. to reason hey christian sometimes we think we know all and what we think is best that's not the wisdom that comes from above that wisdom that comes from above pure it's peaceable it's gentle because we look there it's easy to be entreated open to reason and look at this it's full of mercy the word full means to be stuffed controlled by are you compassionate with those who are hurting do you look for practical ways to help luke 6 36 be therefore merciful as your father also is merciful oh the wisdom that's from above it's pure it's peaceable but hey as we look here it's gentle it's not harsh it's open to reason mercy and is also full of good fruit do you speak spiritual fruit in your on how to your relationships with others do you see love joy peace long suffering oh gentleness this is an amazing meekness temperance against such there is no law wait 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 think for a minute so all that God's wisdom is about is me 
displaying the fruits of the Spirit in my life. Oh, a peaceful person is just doing what a Spirit-filled person will do, right? I don't see strife and envy found in that list. But I bet if you went to the works of the flesh, I bet you find those there. Which is why the wisdom in those things is earthly, sensual, devilish. They're the works of the flesh. But that which from above displays those babies in their life. Gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits. What it says next, without partiality, impartial. Do you treat people all the same, or do you show like more than you like someone else? The wisdom that's from above, you treat all people the same, without partiality. But pastor, I don't like that person. I don't like the way they are. Doesn't matter. God doesn't like our sin, and he loves all the world that he gave his son. That's the wisdom that's from above. We see that it's gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality. And look at the end there. Without hypocrisy, it's sincere. Are you genuine, or would people say that you're a hypocrite? Let me ask you tonight, do you have worldly wisdom or do you have wisdom from above? How do you interact with others? Are you a peacemaker tonight or are you a peace breaker? In verse 18 James closes this out using another metaphor comparing wisdom to the seed that is sown. And what we see here is the root of godly wisdom results in some very attractive fruit. Look at what it says. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. So we probably will not tonight. We'll get there probably next week. And I'm just going to continue on next week because we're just about out of time. But think with me for a minute. Are you a peace breaker or are you a peacemaker? Those that sow strife and envy, what do they get in verse 16? They produce confusion. Those that are peacemakers do what? How are your relationships tonight? The word sow there is the word for planting by scattering. When God grows pure peace in us, then we'll plant that in others, and it'll be a product of it. 
And we see there the phrase, make peace, that literally means to do, to create, to work. Peace must be actively made because it never happens by chance. Make peace. Look at what it says that there. The root is right, will be right. If the root is wrong, the fruit will be bad. What fruit do you want in your life? If you have bitter envying and strife in your heart, you're not going to have good fruit. Confusion never evil works. But if you have this wisdom that's from above, that's pure, that's peaceable in all of these things, you're going to sow peace. Eyes in all of our lives. We're going to have issues with people because that's just how it is. But do you make peace through conflict? Or do you make conflict worse? We're out of time. Next Sunday night, if I haven't, it's awful quiet. Everyone gets awful quiet tonight. If the Lord speaks to your heart. Right. And we all think we're right. And I'll be honest, I think I'm right too. That's part, that's part of our wicked sin nature. And on our own, the world, we're going to have bitter envying and strife in us. But that's the old way. That's the old man. It's where we got to put on the new man. Giving you several things tonight, and I hate leaving a sermon and not giving application. Next Sunday night, I need to be back, because next Sunday night, unless the Lord comes, if he comes, I'll leave my, you can get online and get my iPad, I'll leave it in my, I'll have it somewhere in my house, come finish up the sermon for if anyone, okay, and take care of that for me. <coughs> but next week, I'll give you the application. How do I be a peacemaker and not a peacebreaker? We're going to look at several principles in the Bible on how to deal with strife and tension when it comes. I said when it comes, not if, it does come. But Christian, we need to be like Christ. You sow bitter envying and strife, it's not going to be good. There are so many people that are struggling and hurting today because they've let that bitterness get a hold of their heart deal with that bitterness. You got to bring peace. Got to bring forgiveness. We'll talk about all those things next.